Hey, good morning, One Chapel. My name is Brent Parsley, and I am the campus pastor for One Chapel Kyle, and I am thrilled to be here with you to study the scriptures together. As we're doing this, feel free to make some comments, to give a thumbs up for something that speaks to you, or write down a line that's meaningful to you, and let's do this thing together. You know, I'm convinced that there are two kinds of people in the world. There are rule followers, and there are rule breakers. Which one are you? In fact, just look around your living room or call up a friend and just ask them, which one are you? In fact, let us know in the comments which one you think you are because all of us are one or the others. And if you're thinking, I don't really know which one I am, well, you're a rule breaker. And so I wanna help you out. If you're not sure which one you are, I'm gonna show you some images that might speak to you. Like, does this speak to you right here? This person that took a test and it says, Describe yourself in three words. I am a rebel. That's four words, everybody. That person is a rule breaker. Or maybe you relate to this guy standing over the railing where it says, for the safety of all, please do not stand at the railing and overlook games below. Who does this guy think he is? Or maybe you're the kind of person that wakes up in the morning for your morning coffee and you drink your eight o'clock coffee at 9.40 a.m., you rebel. And actually, this spans the generations because look at this sweet little grandma's salt shaker. On top of her salt shaker, she seals it with a pea for pepper. She's lived a wild life, everybody. Or this actually, it doesn't even just stay with the human race. It actually expands to the animal kingdom, like this dog here. The guy says, I sent my dog outside for standing on the dining room table, and this was his response. Here we are in Austin, and many of you are saying, well, he should have just let him be on the dining room table. And then there's those people that, frankly, I just don't know what to do with because they're hopeless and monsters, like the person that would eat a Kit Kat like this, simply beyond hope. You know, in my household, I like to think of myself as a rule breaker. But the reality is, I'm a total rule follower. My wife, however, is a rule breaker, but only for the rules that are really dumb. Here's the truth. We all wanna go our own way from time to time. Like We all lean towards some form of disobedience and rebellion. I wanna talk about that a little bit today. Most of you know we're in this series called From Here to There, and we're working through the songs of ascents in the book of Psalms. And we're talking about what God says about how we should live our lives here on the earth. How God says we get from here to there. And what he says is, it's like a pilgrim. Not like a citizen of this world that's just focused on my rights. And not like a tourist that's only here for pleasures. But like a pilgrim who realizes, hey, this world is not my home. All this is only temporary. But I do have a great purpose while I'm here. So we've been reading 1 Peter 2.11 where Peter says, friends, this world is not your home so don't make yourselves cozy in it. And what Peter's saying is, what Peter's saying here is, we gotta live our lives differently than everybody else. Don't get too comfy here because this isn't our final home. And the issue though, I think, is that many of us, we still see the world as our home. Like, we still live for here, for the stuff of the world, for what we can attain and what we can get and fill our lives with pleasure. So how do we do this? How do we live as pilgrims, how do we get from here to there? Well, these 15 Psalms, Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, 
give us a roadmap for the journey. So today we're in Psalm 132, and we're starting in verse one, and I'm reading from the message translation. It says, oh God, remember David. Remember all his troubles, and remember how he promised God, made a vow to the strong God of Jacob. I'm not going home, and I'm not going to bed. I'm not going to sleep, not even take time to rest until I find a home for God, a house for the strong God of Jacob. Remember how we got the news in Ephrathah, learned all about it at Jar Meadows. We shouted, let's go to the shrine dedication. Let's worship at God's own footstool. Up, God, enjoy your new place of quiet repose, you and your mighty covenant ark. Get your priests all dressed up in justice. Prompt your worshipers to sing this prayer. Honor your servant, David. Don't disdain your anointed one. Now, if you're like me, upon reading this psalm at first, you're saying, huh? What? What what does that have to do with, with my pilgrim journey? What does that mean? Well, actually, it's incredibly helpful for us because Psalm 132 is one of the oldest psalms in the Bible. And actually, it gives us probably the most important characteristic to following Jesus on our journey. And this characteristic, this thing that we all need, the thing that determines whether or not you're actually a pilgrim is obedience. This is a psalm that highlights David's obedience to God. In verse two in the NIV, it says, he swore on oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. Like David committed to following God and doing what he said. Now, of course, he didn't always get that right. And frankly, that's true for all of us as well. And why is that? Well, big theological truth coming up here. It's because obedience is hard. Like it just is. It's hard. It's a struggle. And it's a struggle from birth. For those of you who are parents, what's the first word that your kid learned? I'm willing to bet it was no, because they didn't want to do the thing that you wanted them to do. And that just starts a whole landslide of things like go to sleep, stop doing that, don't pick that up, don't put that in your mouth, don't stick that there, don't touch that. And they just want to do what they want to do. And it continues through the middle school years where you say, hey, would you go clean your room? Oh, dad, you don't understand. And the eye rolls and everything that comes along with it. What just happened? Look, we're dealing with that in my family right now. Let me show you a recent picture of my family. If you notice the sign here, it says no skateboarding, no bicycle riding, no rollerblading, no scooter riding. Would you please look at my children? You all, you need to pray for us. We're doing our very best. But obedience is challenging. And sometimes it's more difficult through our high school years, right? Because now you've got responsibilities, you've got a car, you've got a curfew. Dad, 10 o'clock, that's too early to be inside. And then you get grounded. Like, it's hard. It's hard because as we're growing up, we are fighting for our own independence. I want to do my thing. I want to do it my way. And I don't want anybody else telling me what to do. And of course, for a young person, mom and dad represent dependence. And so there's this clash that happens. But we like to think, yeah, okay, but then... I grew up, and now, I mean, I'm pretty much a model citizen, right? I, that's not really a problem for any, me anymore, but is that really true? Let me ask you, how are you at driving the speed limit? Well, I mean, Brent, those are more like guidelines anyway, and if you want to talk to somebody, talk to the guy in the left lane in front of me who won't even drive the speed limit. He's the guy that needs help. Yeah, I can feel it. All right, many of you are like, yes, that's good preaching right there. How do you feel when a flight attendant tells you to put your phone in airplane mode? <laughs> I mean, really, is that really going to cause that big of a problem? I mean, come on, I got things that I got to do. 
What about when you go to the checkout at the grocery store and you see the line that says 10 items or less and you think, I've only got 13. Or how about this? In this pandemic, in this season that we're living in, and the store tells you, well, you can only purchase one of that particular item. What about when somebody says, hey, you have to wear a mask? I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Too close to home, don't go there. Actually, 100% of you just got mad at me for different reasons. I'm just trying to get you to see that your desire for your own way is still there. It's still there for most of us. And there are reasons, right? Like one of the reasons, I just want to be in control of my own life. Or maybe I, I can't trust anybody else. I've been wounded. I can't trust people. You want me to trust the government? No, I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know if I can trust him. And for many of us, we just think, well, I just don't want to give up the things that I'm doing because I like what I'm doing. I'm giving you mostly small and silly illustrations. I realize that, but we struggle with the big things too. But here's the thing. Obedience is how you follow Jesus. Like this is what it means to follow Jesus. You follow his teaching. You follow his way. You obey him. You follow him. That's what it is to be a disciple. That's what it means to be a pilgrim, a Jesus follower. And the Old Testament is full of stories that show the importance of obedience, where God says, if you will obey my commands, I'm going to do this and bless you. But if you choose not to obey, to disobey my commands, this is what's going to happen to you. And as you continue in the New Testament, John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. First John 2, verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Shout out to all my Catalyst people. I like what John Calvin said. He agreed with these Bible authors. He said, true knowledge of God is born out of obedience. There's a Scottish preacher in the 1800s. His name was George MacDonald. And he said, men want to understand, but they do not care to obey. They try to understand where it is impossible they should understand except by obeying. There's no salvation in correct opinions. A man's real belief is that by which he lives. To do God's work is to enter into a vital relationship with Jesus. To obey him is the only way to be one with him. The relation between God and us is an absolute one. It can begin to live in no other way but in obedience. And what he's saying is your beliefs don't just come from what you think. Your real beliefs show by what you do. And in our culture, we get so preoccupied with the questions. We just want to understand, do I believe this? Do I believe that? Do I believe this about God? Do I believe that about God? And don't get me wrong, doctrine is important and questions are good. And hey, by the way, all of your questions about God and doctrine and theology, they're all welcome here at One Chapel. We welcome questions. But the real question for the pilgrim is, have I left everything to follow him? Because we're not saved by our correct thoughts or our opinions. Having correct opinions about God is not the thing that makes you a pilgrim. What does make you a true pilgrim is whether or not God is in control of your life. Are you following where he leads? Are you learning the lessons as he gives them to you? Are you listening to him? And are you obeying him? See, faith in Jesus, it's all about obedience. And sometimes we miss this. 
Like, honestly, I think we've messed this up from time to time because often we call people to believe rather than to obey. And the truth is the gospel message isn't just about Jesus as savior because that shows up in the New Testament somewhere, depending on your translation, around 37 times. The gospel message is about Jesus as Lord, which shows up, so shows up in the New Testament over 7,000 times. What we're talking about here is obedience. It's lordship. And I like this definition. Lordship simply means the end of life on my terms. The end of what I think or what I want. I'm working on his terms. So I'm just telling you, I, I struggle with obedience. I, I do. And if you're like me, what should we do? Well, Psalm 132 shows us something. Shows us that obedience is a lively, adventurous response of faith. I'm not talking about the kind of faith where you're just trying to believe something. I'm not talking about sheer intellect. I'm talking about a faith that is rooted in the historical fact of God's faithfulness and a faith that is rooted in God's promise for your future. These two ideas in Psalm 132 can strengthen your ability to obey. So if you look at the first half of Psalm 132, it shows us that obedience finds roots in the historical fact of God's faithfulness. And it does that because it looks at a single past incident, the history of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, you know what that is because you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. But it looks at the Ark of the Covenant and it remembers its history. The Ark was so important to Israel. It emphasized God's presence with them, over them and above them and with them. The Ark was the symbol of God's presence among them. And this Psalm, it doesn't retell the whole story. It just remembers the history. So as God's people would make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, they would sing these psalms and they would sing this old ark song. And as they did, they were reviving and they were reliving the historical memory of God's goodness. So there is this, this rich reality of God's obedience, of their obedience to God under their feet as they would walk. Because they weren't just the first people to go up or to ascend and they weren't gonna be the last. They, they remembered that the ark had been carried along these same paths. I like how Eugene, Eugene Peterson talks about this. He says, Christians tramp well-worn paths. Obedience has a history. What he means is, is that our biblical history that's written down in the scriptures is so important. It's a data bank for us that we can use. We should use it to evaluate our lives and help us make decisions, to learn to obey. We have this 2,000 years of experience, this biblical memory of God's faithfulness, and we get to access it, and it guides us in our everyday decisions. If you spend any time, more than five minutes with Pastor Ross, you've heard him talk about the daily Bible reading. Everybody, this is one of the main reasons why we talk about this and why it's so important. Because the truth is, we all need more input than our own experiences. Our own experiences inform us too, but we need so much more. So most of us are watching a lot of TV during this period. You probably aren't. My family is. So imagine if Netflix did a poll asking America what the very best TV show is. Uh, what would you say it is? Go ahead and drop it in the comments below. Let us know what you've been watching, um, and we'll either agree with you or pray for you. But you look at this poll, and then you discover that Netflix only asked one person in the poll, and they gave their opinion. Well, you would dismiss that poll immediately. You'd never trust it. Why? Because it's far too small. Yet 
That's exactly how many of us handle what we believe is true. And we do it for things that matter so much more than a TV show. Things like unanswered prayer or salvation or forgiveness or big topics like God's judgment. And the only person that we consult is ourselves, our opinion, what I think about this, my experiences in the last 10 minutes. And I'm just telling you, you need more than that. So for us that are a part of One Chapel, we have this community of faith that we belong to. And it's rich with story and history and lessons learned by people in our community. And we have centuries of story and failure and successes that have been lived out by our biblical ancestors. (laughs) Eugene Peterson, again, he says, a Christian who has David in his bones, Jeremiah in his bloodstream, Paul in his fingertips, and Christ in his heart will know how much and how little value to put on his own momentary feelings and the experience of the past week. Like, it's incredible. Obedience finds roots in the historical fact of God's faithfulness. The scriptures, they help us to know what to do and what not to do. You don't have to repeat the same mistakes. Many of them have been made already, and you can learn from that. And we don't have to start from scratch when we face new problems or new issues in our lives. We look at centuries of God's faithfulness, and we find faith to obey him. But Psalm 132 doesn't just root us in history to keep our feet on the ground. It also shows us how we can look up and how we can dream and take leaps of faith into the future. So the second half of Psalm 132 shows us that obedience finds hope in God's promise for the future. Psalm 132 in verse 15 says, I'll shower blessings on the pilgrims who come here and give supper to those who arrive hungry. I'll dress priests in salvation clothes. The Holy Spirit will sing, the holy people will sing their hearts out. Oh, I'll make the place radiant for David. I'll fill it with light for my anointed. I'll dress his enemies in dirty rags, but I'll make his crown sparkle with splendor. There's this hope, there's this belief in what God is still going to do, that he's going to continue to bless. And it cultivates hope. And that hope gives wings to obedience. I know that God has been faithful in the past, but he's not confined to the past. He is active in my present. He's already there in my future. And this faithful God, I can have hope in him. And because of those things, I can follow him, give him my obedience. So I think another way to say it is, God's historical faithfulness gives obedience strength. Some of you need to look back today. And God's promised future gives your obedience a goal. And I think we need both. They've got to be connected. So if you can learn to master this Psalm 132 in your pilgrim journey, you're never gonna reduce your Christian life to just going through the motions. Your faith won't be a checkoff list of religious duties. uh, Church, check. Prayer, check. Giving, check. Team, check. Uh, group, check. And you, you won't want to o- only obey a few commands that you feel like are convenient to your life. No, you're going to find yourself wanting so much more in this adventurous life in God. But if we don't learn to see beyond ourselves, to see bigger, to see beyond our opinions, to see even beyond the dates of our lives and the date of our birth and our death, and realize that God is so much bigger than the moment that we're in right now, If we don't get to that point, we're always going to be missing the point and probably struggling with obedience along the way. So what happens when we miss that is 
we end up making headlines out of difficulties in our lives that frankly should only be a small paragraph on page 74 of your story. We'll write an entire novel out of something that frankly should have just been a tweet. Like this season of life that you're in right now, this is not your entire story. This is only a chapter. Christian faith and your pilgrim journey cannot be understood in one moment. I think most of us, we see our lives like that. We see our lives in moments. A lot of us, we see our lives kind of like Polaroids. Do you remember Polaroids? Some of you are like, no, I don't know what that is. Some of you, it's like ironic. Yeah, that's cool. But some of you very unironically remember Polaroid cameras. They're these cool cameras that take a shot and you get the picture right away. And some of us see our lives like this, right? Like something happens, we mess up, we make a mistake, and it becomes a picture. And then that picture comes out, and the enemy comes along, and he wants to convince you that this is you. That this moment is who you are, what you do, and you'll never be able to escape it. You'll never be able to get out of this moment. This is all you've got. This is all there is. This is the end of the story. And we become convinced of it. We agree with it. And so we stop. We stop in our faith journey. We stop in our pilgrim journey and we get stuck. But God doesn't see it like that. God sees in 4K, is there 5K now? I don't even know. Is there 4K, uh, high resolution, high definition, beautiful documentary, a Netflix season with unending seasons. He sees your life in that way, the entire picture. We tend to see in Polaroids, God sees prophetically, he sees the whole thing, the past, the present, and the promise of the future. We gotta learn to see from his perspective beyond just the moments, a moment of beauty that we wanna stick in, a moment of stupidity where we made a major mistake, a, mo a moment of tragedy or a moment of fear. We gotta look beyond those, get a revelation of a massive creation that God's involved in, and he's got a redemption plan for all of it. And learn to obey just doing what God tells us to do in the midst of that awesome redemption plan. Psalm 132 should stir up our memory and cultivate our hope. And if you can do those two things, I think they can help lead you to mature obedience. So my feet are firmly planted on the ground in the reality of God's goodness. But my head is in the clouds as I hope and dream about what God might do for me and with me in the future. And this keeps us from getting stuck somewhere on the journey, helps us keep our feet planted on the ground, but also asks us to take a leap of faith. One more time, Eugene Peterson, so brilliant, says, what we require is obedience, the strength to stand and the willingness to leap and the sense to know when to do which, which is exactly what we get when an accurate memory of God's way, God's ways is combined with a lively hope in his promises. Listen, do you want to live by faith? Do you want to know God? I can tell you how. It's actually pretty simple. Do what Jesus tells you to do. And when you do, you make yourself his disciple. You become a pilgrim. Obedience is when you just make the decision. I'm going to lay down my appetites. I'm going to lay down my desires. I'm laying down the opinions of other people. And instead, I'm going to do what God says to do. And you subdue your will and you bring it into submission to God's will. That's obedience. It's easier said than done. But if that's you today, what should you do? Well, frankly, God's already given us a whole bunch of things to do and we can start doing them. You can start right now. Have you dismissed your anxious thoughts about tomorrow? 
Have you done that today? Matthew 6, 34 says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You can do that today. Have you taken care of somebody's needs this week and not told anybody about it? You could do it. Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Have you decided you're not going to criticize? You're not going to talk against or judge other people? Yeah, even on Facebook? James 4.11, brothers and sisters, don't slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. Have you sought the kingdom of God and his righteousness above all else? Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. There's already a whole bunch of things that you can start to do immediately that God's already spoken to you about. Listen, if you'll begin to just take these two ideas and and use them to help you begin to do what God is telling you to do, your life will change. I'm telling you that your marriage can change. It can be rescued. I'm telling you that you can have wisdom to know what to do with your kids. You'll parent better. You'll be a better friend. Your finances can get rescued. So One Chapel, I wanna ask you, along with me and my family this week, will you join us in asking this one question? What do you want me to do? (laughs) I think... I think that usually when we say that question, it's at a moment where it's already too late. You know what I mean? Like, when's the last time you said, what do you want me to do? Because typically it comes out like this. What do you want me to do? What do you want from me? What do you want me to do? The truth is, we usually say that when we're frustrated because we've been trying to do our own thing and somebody else wants us to do things their way and we don't want to. What do you want me to do? What if we decided that we're going to ask that question first? We're gonna ask that question of our spouse. Hey, babe, what do you want me to do? How can I serve you? What what would you like me to do? What if we ask that of our friends? Hey, what, what would you guys like me to do? What do you want me to do? What if we ask that of our kids? Hey, how can I be a better dad? What what do you want me to do? And most importantly, before every single decision that you're gonna make, what if you ask that of God? God, as I wake up this morning, as I think about the day ahead. So I'm trying to make this big decision. What do you want me to do? Don't ask that question only when it's too late. Ask it now. As we close today, I read the scripture this past week and I thought it might be important for some of us. It's Galatians 5 verse 7. It says, hey, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? The kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And this might be a word for some of you today because you were running a good race. You were doing amazing and I look back and I know some of your stories and God has blessed you and rescued you and saved you and you have, a, have had incredible encounters with him. You've really experienced his presence in your life, but then that next sentence happened to you. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? I think if we're honest, a lot of us can identify with that question. You were running strong in your relationship, but something happened and you slowed down or you just bowed out. Now you're just going through the motions, disconnected from the church and other believers and messing around, frankly, with some things that are probably dangerous for you. Who cut in on you? For some of us, that's where we are. And we're not at a place today where we're being obedient to what God has called us to do. I'm telling you that every issue that you're facing today, God will be faithful to walk you through it if he'll allow you, if you'll allow him. If you just listen and obey, if you can remember what he's done throughout your life, and if you believe that he has promises for your life, for your future, he can help you get back on track. And for some of you, you're realizing that you have gotten off track. 
You've been persuaded by all sorts of other influences and you've just stopped. I wanna ask you to ask yourself this question over the course of this next week. What's one thing that you feel like God is telling you to do? And then this week, just act on it. Or maybe that's not you. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you need to ask yourself this question. What is one thing that you feel like God is telling you not to do? What's the thing that you need to get rid of? What's the thing that he might be asking you to change? And actually, in this pandemic season, as things have been disrupted and messed up, maybe you're asking a little bit deeper questions like this. God, what are the things that you want me to leave behind in this season? What are the things that have had to go away that have actually been good for my life and you want me to continue on this journey? Or maybe you're asking this and you need to. What do you want from me in this next season? As I go back to to normal and to to life as, as it was, what is it that you want me to bring back in? Would you, right there where you are, close your eyes for a moment. Would you allow me to pray with you? What is it that you need to do? How do you need to respond? What's the question that you need to ask? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would begin right now in living rooms all over the Austin region this morning. Would you speak to us? Would you show us the things that we need to let go of and remove? Would you show us the things that you're working to add back into our lives? And would you help us and give us the grace to say yes? God, for some of us, we've forgotten your goodness. And today I pray that we would be reminded of it, that you would remind us of how good you are and the great things that you have done. Call those things back to our remembrance today. God, for some of us, we've lost the ability and the hope, uh, the ability to dream and the hope of the future. Father, I pray that you would restore that today to people that need to dream again. Let hope rise in our hearts because you're faithful and good and true. And for some of you, you may not even be in a position where you can ask that. And it's because you've completely stopped. Or maybe you've never decided, I'm gonna go all in and I'm gonna give my life in obedience to Jesus. You can change that right now. You can make a decision. He's already provided everything for you to do that. Jesus came. He gave his life as a ransom for you. He paid the penalty for your sin so that you don't have to. And all that's required is you to say, I wanna receive that free gift and I wanna surrender my life in obedience. And I can even help you with the words. If that's you, you might just say this, Jesus, I'm choosing today to believe in you. I wanna turn my life over to you. I wanna surrender to you. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you paid the penalty for my sin and I want that penalty applied to my life. So God, I receive your free gift. And the best way I know how, I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. Now God, all over this region in all of our living rooms, give us the grace to follow and do what you say on this pilgrim journey. And we receive it in Jesus' name. And from your living room, everybody said, Amen. Hey, listen, everybody, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for being a part of this thing. We're so thankful for the One Chapel family. If you made a decision today, we'd love to know about it. There's going to be a link in the comment section. Click that link. Let us know you made a decision so we can join you on your journey.
All right, everybody. Hey, it's been a great day. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a great Sunday, everybody.